Hi everyone, it's Maria Recruit here from All Things Real Estate. It's July the 2nd, 2020, and we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're coming up for the first, like yesterday, how many people have actually been able to collect rent from their tenants. And if they have, um, you know, maybe set up a, a rent deferral or rent discount with their tenants, let's just find out just if we can even do that, because, it, um, you know, the irony of how the RTA intended to protect tenants is making it illegal for landlords to help during COVID-19. And this is something that Scott McKechn is telling me, McCrecken, I'm sorry. And uh, Scott, I'm really concerned about that. But welcome back to All Things We'll Say with Maria Recruit. Here we go, another week of interesting topics. And this one is going to be rent deferral and rent discount. It's now. <laughs> it is. It is. Everyone's looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm uh, I, I'm enjoying it and sharing some information. As uh, as you know, I coach uh, lawyers and paralegals, and uh, I don't uh, uh, take on public clients. But lawyers and paralegals are, are welcome to contact me, and hopefully, this information will be helpful to them when they're. Uh, uh, talking to your uh, landlord members. So yeah, we have a, a an interesting topic today. As you said, it's a bit of an ironic uh, topic in that the Residential Tenancies Act, um, it was set up with its primary concern to provide fairness uh, in the rental market for, for tenants. And I know that's a frustration to landlords who feel that uh, uh, the Residential Tenancies Act is very one-sided. Mm -hmm. However, we do have some interesting concerns currently with the uh, pandemic where the RTA is actually backfiring with uh, tenants and those landlords who do want to show some sort of uh, compassion and financial assistance for, uh, uh, for tenants that may not be able to make their uh, full rent due to a uh, layoff or other concerns that have come about during the uh, uh, during the pandemic. Now, one of the uh, things that I am going to uh, avoid, I know it's the uh, hot potato or the elephant in the uh, in the room, and that is the uh, concern for those tenants that can afford to pay the rent, but they're not as part of the heat, the rent uh, movement. I won't be going into any of uh, um, those concerns today, um, but what I will be talking about, again, is the uh, landlord that wants to try to uh, help but how the Residential Tenancies Act ties their hands in doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, you know, that's, I'm so glad you're coming on with these topics because we're not aware as landlords. We're not aware because we've never had anything like this happen before. We've never had to go in and uh, negotiate payments. Now, happily, again, this is uh, July the 1st. I got my payments in from all my tenants, even ahead of schedule. So I, again, I go back to what I've always said, the choice of your tenant is what will make the difference in your business and it's being proved through my tenants. I mean, everyone's paying even ahead of schedule. And and you know what, it's, Scott, it doesn't mean I'm not getting a lot of people trying to rent from me, but they're not qualified to rent from me. Like I have somebody who's coming from Quebec that want to rent. I kept saying, so what kind of business are you in? Never answered me. Well, if you don't tell me what your business is that you're doing, then I said, I need three or four of your landlords. He got lost once I said that to him, you know, because he says, oh, I'm doing really well. I'm paying and I can give you the name of my landlord. And I thought, yeah, right. One of your friends. I said, so I said to him, okay, one's not enough. I said, I need three or four. 
otherwise forget about it so what's mm -hmm. what i'm finding though scott which is kind of interesting i don't know about other landlords but people are not serious when they're looking for a place like i'm, I'm finding people are calling you know and want to see it are really anxious to see it and then what i say to them is okay i'll set up a time for you to view it uh but call me in the morning and if you call me in the morning i'll send someone over of course they don't call right so then I say, I try and catch up to them uh, further in the day or the next couple of days. I said, you know what? I'm going to send you a video of what it looks like because I'm starting to take videos now. So I don't have to move from my home. And then I said, oh, I'll get back to you if I'm really interested. So they were not interested. They would have wasted my time or mm -hmm. wasted somebody else. It takes an hour to get there. Wait for them. Or I only give them 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I don't do more than that. And then come back an hour. So I can't afford to, quite frankly, my time to give to people who aren't serious. So if you see it, so as landlords, we should be sending a video and photographs. If they're really serious, you tell them how much they have to pay, what's expected. If they're serious, they're going to go ahead, you know, to come and view it. If not, you haven't wasted any time other than working on your computer or on your phone. Right. Yeah. And one of the key words you, uh, um, you said in all that was in your business, referring to the, um, landlord, <laughs> yeah, referring to the landlord, it is yeah. a business and it, it needs to be treated that way. Yes, it is. And I don't want someone wasting my time. Like I don't want to waste their time. If it's not the right place, if it doesn't fit into their budget, why are they even bothering to come? Why mm -hmm. are they even bothering to come? Because that's the first thing I put is, is this what you want to pay? Then they say yes. And then I say, okay, so do you want to make an appointment? Well, I'll get back to you. So it wasn't, the, it wasn't their budget. They weren't interested, but they were going to waste my time. <laughs> you know? It's now, gotten worse. Have, it's gotten yeah. worse. It's gotten worse now. You certainly have uh, better things to do than essentially, you know, act as a tour guide of your, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of your rental properties. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a tour guide. <laughs> so go ahead. Please tell us. We're anxious to know more about this deferral program and what's legal, what's not legal. Yep. So today actually is a very good timing for this. I call today N4 day being the second of every month. Um, and N4s uh, certainly, I always advised my clients that. Uh, um, you know, the first chance you get to issue an N4 is when you should be doing that because it stops, uh, starts the clock ticking. And, uh, of course, if the tenant pays within 14 days, the, the N4 becomes moot. Now, if it's a persistent problem, then that's going to raise, uh, raise other issues. But that, again, is a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. So with uh, the deferral concept, uh, there were many landlords that essentially wanted to work with their their tenants and work a relationship out where they would defer a portion of the rent. Now, just to make this mathematically easy, I'm going to suggest that, you know, we're dealing with a, a rent of $1,000. Of course, depending on where you are in the province, $1,000 may be a bit of a, a, a bit of a joke for, you know, what are you going to get in downtown Toronto for a thousand bucks? But let's just uh, make the math really easy uh, as I go through and I create some examples. So let's say at the beginning of the pandemic or say now after a few months in, uh, a tenant is uh, struggling, came to the landlord and said, hey, I got a bit of a problem here. I can't make my $1,000 a month, but uh, looks like I can do uh, 500 a month. Can we work out some sort of an arrangement? And of course, the government has been encouraging landlords to uh, make an arrangement, work with, uh, with tenants. Ironically as well, the, um, the government's been 
uh, leading landlords and tenants to believe that that can be done just through some sort of casual, um, you know, maybe write it out on a napkin at best type arrangement or just have a gentleman's handshake about it. And that can be very problematic, unfortunately, with the um, regulations and the interpretations and guidelines of the Residential Tenancies Act. Uh, if we don't want something to backfire, you know, certainly gentlemen's arrangements are, are wonderful if a deal can be done on a handshake and everybody abides by it. But if something goes awry and uh, we get a couple months down the road and somebody's uh, um, got their back up and, and you just had a gentleman's arrangement, something written on a napkin, uh, you got a problem. And, that, and especially if um, that arrangement is an illegal uh, arrangement. Of course, if it's uh, an illegal arrangement and nobody gets their back up, well, then who really cares? And, you know, sometimes uh, uh, legal advisors have to look at that and tell their client, you know, point blank, does it really matter from a practical point of view? There's the law and then there's, you know, the, the, the practices of the, uh, of the day. And uh, the, the law really doesn't matter if nobody, uh, uh, you know, gets, uh, uh, gets upset about a, a situation, if everybody's fine with it. But as soon as things go left when they should have gone right, well, now we do have a, a bit of a problem. So, so with the deferral arrangement, again, keeping with this $1,000 idea, tenant comes along and says, hey, I can afford to pay you 500 bucks a month. Um, so 500 bucks that I'm going into arrears every month, um, I'll pay that back eventually with you. Well, the landlord, the landlord what's that? Eventually. <laughs> such thing, right? So, I'll get to that part in a, in a moment. To, to, make okay. this, you know, to make such legal, because a landlord can't offer a discount, that's going to be the second part of the discussion, but right now we're going to talk about how to structure a deferral. Mm -hmm. um, so when the tenant says, hey, I, I'm going to have to make up my shortfall later, uh, the landlord needs to cross the T's and dot the I's using the proper paperwork. So that means still issuing the N-4 if the uh, full payment is not received within 14 days, then following it up with the L-1. And part of the reason that the landlord would want to do that is to get into the queue at the landlord-tenant board. When this whole thing is over, the lineup at the landlord-tenant board, you know, we're, it's going to have thousands and thousands of cases. No well, and there's some paralegals in uh, various Facebook groups that I'm in. They're talking, you know, maybe 18 months, two years to get this uh, backlog cleared up. When we think about the backlog, you know, it, uh, in some uh, uh, locations was three months, other locations was six months before any of this even started. It's probably not unusual to start thinking that you might be 18 months to, uh, to two years before you get your hearing at the landlord tenant board. Um, and of course, if you're waiting to get your paperwork in, you're going to be at the back of the line for all that. So, uh, so step step one is to issue the N4. Step two, get the L1 in uh, as soon as you you can. Now, that may get the backup of the tenant if you say, "Hey, let's work out a a, a payment deferral." I understand you can only make a portion of the rent. Um, but don't worry about it. And that you know, I understand you're going to pay me back. You know within uh, within a year uh, or whatever it is the deal that they want to uh, work out is on a, on a payment plan um, but they do still have to uh, use those formalities of the documentation now the tenant needs to be put at ease 
that yes, these are just formalities that if you breach the payment arrangement, then I can move forward in enforcing my uh, legal rights as a, as a landlord. So that's actually step three okay. is for the protection of the, the tenant um, is to actually have the landlord tenant board's payment arrangement uh, form completed. So, so the landlord uses three pieces of document, uh, the N4, the L1, um, and processes those in the uh, usual fashion and then uses the payment arrangement document of the landlord tenant board, that document being the document that would in usual circumstances be essentially a settlement document. So what they're essentially saying is, hey, you failed to pay your rent, I brought a notice to evict you, you didn't pay in the 14 days, but we worked out a payment arrangement. And as long as you abide by the payment arrangement, well, then I can't move forward with my eviction process. However, if you breach the payment arrangement, then all the documents, it's all processed, it's all, all on file of the landlord tenant board. And if we need to move forward with this, we can. That's really good advice. That's uh, when I had somebody who was deferring their last month's payment, we put everything on paper and you know what? They've been right on time. They put the extra funds towards their last month's payment. So I was, I felt quite comfortable. They kept their word. I mean, they kept right with the date that they were supposed to, but again, it's getting the right people. Mm -hmm. And that's not under every rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you have to wait for the right person to come and there has to be kind of like a synergy happening that, they respect you, what you're asking, you respect them, what they need, and it comes together. And not everybody you can't work with everybody. And that's why it takes me a long, long time, Scott, to find the right people. But once they're in there, they never leave. And they're on time with their payment and they respect my house and all of that, right? But it took a long, slow process. And and it's getting even slower now with what's going on there right now. I, I, I used to take go through 100. I'm going through more than 100 now before I find the right person. It's very serious. Mm -hmm. It's serious for any any landlord now. It's very, very difficult, Scott. Very, very difficult. Well, the screening and, and qualifying process, and I certainly don't have experience with that. You're the, uh, uh, I'm going to say the guru with the wisdom of the experience in dealing with that. And you speak to that on your uh, various shows. So that's, uh, uh, that's going to be for, uh, for you to, uh, uh, to share around the hints and tips on uh, uh, how the risks of choosing a, a bad tenant can be weaned out. But uh, once the, the tenant is in, as you're trying to work with the, the tenant on these uh, deferral arrangements, um, that, as I say, can be a challenge, especially if you don't document it properly. Now, with that, uh, with that said, getting it documented properly, there is also a, another pitfall that landlords tend to run into quite often. And this is partly because of sometimes a landlord's experience, a landlord that's been around for 15, 20 years uh, in this business. It hasn't been uncommon for them in years past to go to their property manager or to even their real estate uh, agent friend and say, hey, can you fill out these forms me for me? Can you do this and that? Well, the, the LTB has started to come down on that. And uh, there have been uh, uh, cases where the uh, landlord tenant board looks at it and says, well, if you're not a licensee of the law society and you're not the landlord, 
Um, you can't appear at the um, landlord tenant board on the landlord's behalf. You can't even complete the documents on behalf of the landlord. And because you as a real estate agent or property manager did complete those documents, those are unlawful documents. We're therefore going to dismiss this proceeding and the landlord needs to go out and start uh, from scratch. Uh, and if the landlord gets you know, 18 months down the road from now, when the landlord finally uh, landlord tenant board finally hears the matter, if the landlord tenant board tosses it out due to a technicality in the documents and the landlord has to start over again and wait another six months or a year for their hearing, um, that's going to be a very serious problem. So, um, you know, part of what a landlord needs to consider currently is to make sure that these documents have every T crossed and I dotted and the right person is doing that T crossing and the I dotting. If the landlord can't do sorry. And that's very true. And I have a program on, but I'm uh, I'm with Howard Tavrages, mm -hmm. who is a paralegal, has been in the business a long time, and we're showing the forms actually, Scott. On on we've had shows with him. He'll be on next week, um, and he actually has the form showing it up there for everyone to look at and how to fill it out, what to fill it out, so you can do it yourself. And then what you can do is always get in touch with him, and he can look it over. Myself, I would never even dream of filling any forms out. I always got my paralegal to do it properly. And I, that's why I won all the cases. That's why I never, we never had to go back. Which at one time I showed up, that was the end of it. It was taken care of. But things were different years ago than they are right now, Scott. This is the terrible times right now with all this backlog. Also, I had a show for 10 weeks, believe it or not, with Jay Shaw, who is a great property manager. And we went through all of this stuff. You know, uh, he doesn't go through filling out the forms because that's not, you know, that's not his job. Uh, mm -hmm. But he knows how to choose the right person. That's why I would suggest to anyone who's a landlord that if, you, if you're really hesitating about getting someone through the door, hire a property manager. If you're hesitating about the forms, get a paralegal so you don't have to wait in line like what Scott is saying now and everything's thrown out and you're starting all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, uh, I think that covers the, the deferral uh, concern. Now I'm going to get talking about why it would need to uh, be a deferral arrangement rather than just simply a, a discount arrangement. Mm -hmm. And there is actually an exception, and I'm going to start with the exception, um, but the exception is not likely something that most landlords are in a position to do. Uh, the exception in the Residential Tenancies Act that allows a landlord to actually provide a discount, allows it only in a situation where the landlord is waiving 100% of the rent for up to three months. So unless the landlord is in a position to give a 100% discount, uh, a discount is actually illegal. So ironically, the Residential Tenancies Act, which is there to protect the tenant, makes it so that the landlord um, if a landlord wanted to offer a 50% discount for, say, you know, three months or six months even, um, the landlord technically, according to the law, is not allowed to do it. Um, and that's uh, strangely, Section 111 of the Residential Tenancies Act, for those that want to look that up, and then Section 10 of the regulation to the Act, for those that want to... Uh, uh, read the prescribed uh, discounts of the prescribed conditions that allow for a, for a discount. But, so what that ends up um, saying or how it actually becomes problematic is 
let's go back to our $1,000 example. So there's $1,000 a month uh, rent. Tenant says that they have a problem. Landlord says, well, I'll tell you what then, you know, you've been a good tenant for years. We don't want to lose you. We understand what's going on. Um, tell you what, we'll give you a $500 a month discount for the next uh, three months. Everything is great and wonderful. And if, again, nobody's back ever gets up, then who's going to actually make an issue out of it? Nobody. And even though it's unlawful, you know, it just falls by the, uh, by the wayside from a practicality point of view. Well, let's say something does happen. The uh, tenant um, continues to have difficulty. Um, there's something that arises up in that relationship and the tenant wants to make difficulty, say, for the landlord. And that so the tenant who had his rent discounted to $500 a month could say, well, now that it's at $500 a month, that is actually the new rent. And you as a landlord, at the end of the three months that we said was going to be the discount, well, you're actually not allowed to increase my rent more than once in a year and no more than the prescribed amount, which for 2020 is 2.2%. So if there was a uh, rent reduced to $500 a month, when it comes time for the landlord to want to reset that and put it back to the original uh, amount of $1,000, the tenant could actually speak up and say, whoa, you can't do that. You're only allowed to increase it by 2.2%. And that again is, of course, if the landlord hasn't imposed a rent increase in the last 12 months anyway. But if that is the case and there hasn't been an increase, well, then the landlord's only going to be allowed to increase that rent by 2.2%, which is 11 bucks. Oh, so the rent went from $1,000 down to 500 as a discount. But then to try to increase it back, the landlord stuck increasing it back by only $11. Now, there have been some interesting... Uh, uh, comments in some of the Facebook groups, some creativity where people recognize this challenge, but they're trying to find a backdoor way around it. Uh, one of those backdoor ways that people are coming up with is trying to say to the tenant, well, your rent's a thousand. Um, we're willing to give you a discount for 500, but we can't do it as a discount per se. So pay your rent for a thousand and then I'll give you $500 back in visa gift cards or, or whatever. So that the tenant is netted 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Problem with that though, is if the tenant does raise that as an issue when the landlord tries to reset the rent to a thousand, mm -hmm. The landlord says, okay, well, the discount period is over and I'm going to uh, no longer be giving you these, uh, uh, these gift cards. The tenant could speak up and say, well, hold on here. You decreased my rent to 500 bucks. Yeah, you did it by rebating me the rent through gift cards. But the substance of that arrangement is actually uh, illegal. And it's the same as if you just discounted the, uh, the rent. Section 202 of the Residential Tenancies Act says that the landlord tenant board shall, so it's not even an optional may, but it's a shall, look at the substance of an agreement or substance of an arrangement rather than the outward form of that arrangement. So while the outward form of it might be this backdoor way around of, hey, we're just giving you some, uh, some gift cards, the true substance of that is that they're finding a backdoor way um, to do what they don't want to do, which is provide a direct discount. But, you know, they're not going to pull the wool over the, uh, uh, the eyes of the landlord-tenant board with that. And same problem, the landlord then gets stuck with having a rent at $511 because they're only allowed to increase it back by 2.2%.
The other thing that uh, um, landlords are trying to do, and we covered this quite a bit in our six, uh, six week series talking about maintenance, and that is shift the maintenance responsibilities over to the tenant by you know, simply saying, um, tell you what, you need a, a discount or you need some sort of, a, of an arrangement um, instead of $1,000 a month, we'll make it 750, but you have to do the mowing of the lawns. You have to do this, that, and whatever is property maintenance. And of course, as you know, property maintenance, that's not something that the uh, landlord can uh, shift to the, uh, the tenant as a tenant per se, um, within a, a lease or some sort of an arrangement where really what they're trying to do is just color it up as a, as a discount or, an arrangement where they're giving them $250 off if they do the maintenance. Section 20 of the Residential Tenancies Act does not allow that. So I'm going to stop right now because, I mean, this is, oh, my God, I can see what's going to be happening, Scott, in the future with uh, these people that have given discounts and haven't put it in paperwork. So what should a, a landlord do to protect themselves? Because we've got to protect ourselves because, I mean, what's to say that the, pe the person, like you said, you've given them a rent deferral or rent discount and then they will will not honor it at all. They're going to complain to landlord and tenant board. How can they protect themselves? How can the tenants protect themselves from this? Well, and how, the how, how a landlord would protect themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just checking to make sure I'm paying attention, were you? That's right. <laughs> and you almost got me too. So what uh, what, a, what a landlord should be doing is, uh, you know, if a tenant were to renege out of some sort of a deferral or a discount arrangement that has been uh, uh, set up and it's been set up not in the way that was suggested here uh, in the last 15, 20 minutes that we've been talking, um, then really a landlord needs to get in touch with a paralegal and say, uh, I have this problem. Um, I realized, you know, uh, maybe I didn't set myself up properly using the proper documents for this in the beginning. Is there a solution out of it? And depending on what they did, there may be solutions out of it. There may not be solutions out of it. But it would really be a, a scenario where uh, a professional would need to look at the ind uh, individual circumstances and see what was done. There's not going to be a blanket answer for that question. That's, you know, that's really good to know. And I really, I really speak, you know, from experience to my association members for the Canadian Real Estate Investors Association and the Ontario Landlords Association, the Canadian Real Estate Investors Association. Please, 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 please go and see a paralegal. You don't want to have someone living in your home where you've reduced the rent because out of your good heart, you're trying to help them out and they stay on there continuing at five hundred dollars. And what what are your you know, what are your rights? You cannot do that. This is a business. Once again, you may have a kind heart, but it can bite you. And this is the thing that I've learned, you know, being 20 years as a landlord is they think nothing of biting your, your hand. That's tried to help them, you know, tenants, not all of them. But a lot of them, the bad ones, the bad, the ones that don't respect the landlord or the property will bite the hand that feeds them. And this is one way, the way they would do it. And, you know, you'd go in front of the LTB and you, you think they're on your side. They're not on your side. You've got to take care of yourself. Go to a, a, a paralegal and get the proper documentation. Back to you, Scott. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's excellent uh, uh, advice and information. And you've uh, you've said this um, towards the end of the last few episodes that we've done together is that uh, going to see a paralegal before you have these problems, take a paralegal out to lunch, pick their brains, find out uh, uh, what knowledge and information that they have that they can share with the uh, the landlord that the landlord can then uh, uh, take as wisdom and move forward with it uh, with having you know a, a relationship you don't go run uh, to see an accountant um, only when there's a uh, an audit you go to an accountant to get your annual filings done and you know to to pick their brains on hey if i invest in this is this going to provide me with the tax benefit having that relationship in advance uh, should be something that everybody does yeah, I think we need it now, you know, because it's such a precarious business now. Quite frankly, I use the word dangerous because I feel that it's dangerous that someone can stay in your home for one or two years and no one's on your side and you can't collect rent. You can't even you can't even evict them. So what kind of business is that? That's not mm -hmm. a good business model to be in. So before you even get started to become a landlord, go and find out what it's all about. Talk to people who have much more experience than you have that have gone through all of this and have learned and listen to what they're saying. And, and I'm going to just come back to you, Scott, that I noticed I'm on the same Facebook groups as you are. And I can see you trying to give advice and nobody wants to listen. They think they know better. You know, I mean, like you're, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth, what you should be doing or thinking. They don't want to take it. What's the matter with people? What's well, I, I've been called a lot worse than a horse, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's just a saying, okay? But it's just, know. you know, even myself as an investor 20 years, are you going to not listen to what I have to say? Okay, you may not, but I mean, who else are you going to talk to? Yeah. A beginner like yourself that's in trouble just like you? Like, come on, you know, like, get your head out of the sand and look at this for what it is. These are dangerous times for any landlord. Yeah, and landlords just, they, they really should uh, form a relationship with a paralegal ahead of time. Find somebody in your local community, you know, find two or three, take them out to lunch, see who you hit it off with best, who you feel most comfortable with, and then uh, maintain and nurture that relationship, you know, even if uh, you don't need a paralegal within a given year, okay, fine, you know, send them a card in the holiday time, but, uh, you know, stay in touch. And uh, unfortunately, when and if you uh, uh, you do need somebody, um, you're going to have that person on your 1-800-speed uh, uh, dial, 1-800-paralegal, uh, and uh, uh, you're going to have an existing relationship and a comfort level with that person. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for spending the time with us again. Of course, we will have you on the show again because you've got such wonderful topics that give us all a chance to discuss and know the law because otherwise how do we, we wouldn't even know about this, right? We wouldn't even know about these rights that we have or if we're trying to help it, it's going to bite us at the end. We don't want any of that stuff to be happening. So I thank you once again for spending the time with us. So I've had Scott, who is a legal coach and currently provides training and consulting services for lawyers and paralegals. So we're hearing it right from the person who is doing all his research all the time. And we've been discussing about the rent deferral and rent discount. The irony of how the RTA, Residential Tenancy Act, intended to protect the tenants and the landlords and is biting the landlords right in the back. So, you know, is protecting both of us and making it illegal for landlords to try and help during COVID-19, which is so unfair. But thank you, Scott, for once again for being with us. And I'm going to ask everyone and concluding you, Scott, to sign up to my YouTube channel. It really 
media news network. I don't know, guys. All these speakers, you know, <laughs> it's on there. You're going to find Scott's show on there. I'll be sharing it on on all my Facebook pages, on my podcast, and it's being syndicated on a number of channels, both on the radio and TV of other channels. So it's all good stuff, and you'll be re reaching a lot more people, Scott, than we have up until now, which makes me happy. So thank you once again, Scott, you know, um, for taking us through, you know, rent deferral, rent discount, the irony of how the RTA intended to protect tenants is making it illegal for landlords to help during COVID-19. So I thank you very much. This is Maria Recruit, All Things Real Estate. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Take care. Bye, Scott.